0: What was the word? There's good hope here. Interesting, will give you that window that your mind can step in and restrain sometimes the heightened emotional animal response. There's a story that Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger, likes to share and it tells the story of Max Planck. Max Planck was a physicist. He won the Nobel Prize in about the 1920s. And after winning the Nobel Prize, he was invited to give a lot of talks. Talks over breakfast, talks over lunch, talks in the afternoon, talks in the evening. Max Planck Max Planck was assigned a driver to take him from meeting to meeting to meeting. And the driver, Planck, go park the car and then come and stand at the back like some of the people looking at the back here. And as the weeks went by, the driver was hearing Max Planck's speech time and time again, breakfast time, lunch time, afternoon, evening. And after about six weeks, the chauffeur, the driver, in a moment with Max in the car, said, Max, for six weeks now, I've listened to you, morning, lunch, evening, and I've heard the speech enough times, I think, I could pretty much have a good go of it. What do you say, Max? The next event we go to, I'll get the gear on, go onto stage and give the talk, and you put on the chauffeur outfit and stand at the back. And Max Planck was always known as a little bit of a comedian. He thought that sounds like a wonderful idea. So, next meeting they go to, the chauffeur gets up onto stage and Word for word, he had the speech, he would memorized it, each part of the theory laid out. And it came to the end of this wonderful speech, where the chauffeur gave the words of Max Planck. And at the end of the speech, there was a scientist in the crowd, and the scientist raised their hand. And he indicated for them to ask the question. The scientist asked a really twisted question, getting at the core of Max Planck's theory. The chauffeur on the stage said, I expected more from this audience. That question, even my chauffeur could handle. And Charlie Munger, the partner of Warren Buffett, says their full time job at Berkshire Hathaway is making sure that chauffeurs drive cars and Max Planck's run business. There are a lot of people that give a good speech, there's a lot of people who could talk a good violin. I think one of the amazing things about these musicians, you might be able to talk a good game, but it takes about a second to tell whether what we're looking at here on stage are chauffeurs or max Plancks. But in leadership and in management, it sometimes takes more than a second. It might take a bit more time. There are chauffeurs that put so much time into looking good, you have to scratch real deep to discover what's underneath. The lessons that we've learned. there are people that build their house on sand. And there's an ancient storybook that tells us you do not need to be evil to have bad things happen. You do not need to be mean to have bad things happen. If you build your house on sand, if you're careless, bad things can happen to good people. What I ask of you, we've shared messages and lessons and ideas, 20 mile march, 1% improvement. What I want to say, what you need to hear. The real lesson I've learned over 10 years of teaching leadership is that if you want to, you can be. There's nothing mysterious, there's nothing missing. But it's not easy. There are moments when it is easy. What we learn from myth, if we look at Homer's Odyssey, the lesson the Homer's Odyssey gives us about leadership, a leadership decision is always between two bad options. scylla cherbolis, Odysseus must choose, risk the whole boat or guaranteed loss of three or four men. And he has to choose. No one to share this decision with. He has to choose. And he has to live forever with the results of his choice, knowing that it was him, not anyone else, that has to stand on that choice. Integrity, this final element, Warren Buffett has a definition of integrity that I find interesting. Integrity is not the intention to be honest. Integrity is not a nice list of values on the wall of your office. Warren Buffett says integrity is that you say no to most things. You say no to most requests for your time. You say no to most requests for your money. You say no to most requests for your attention. Because only someone who says no to other people's priorities can actually dedicate their energy, their resources to building the thing that is important to them. In Warren Buffett's words, if you can't recall saying no today, your life is being divided into thousands of little pieces and being spread out amongst the priorities of other people. Brendan Burchard says, your email is a handy to-do list of other people's to-do's. If your first action in the morning is to open email, you are dividing your life out into solving other people's minor and semi-important challenges. Integrity is understanding the finite nature of the time that we have, the finite nature of the resources that we have. You can have anything you want, but you cannot have everything. You must choose. You must take the time to decide what is important. And I said, leadership, in all this time, we've never found a magical ingredient that some people have and others not. There's nothing that an Irish person has that is not here in Romania. There's nothing present in the water in the USA that is not present the rest of the world. It is essentially a choice. There's an interesting anecdote that says the way you can tell parents who've, who will have a positive impact on their children's upbringing, it's not whether they've read the book, it's whether they've ever bought a book on parenting. It doesn't matter if they've read it. If a parent has cared enough to go and buy the book, they care enough to be a good parent. If you've cared enough to spend your evening here with us, if you've cared enough to listen and remember the Buffalo Courage, the 20-mile march, the 1% changes, the intensity, then you have everything you need to be a leader. You have everything you need to stop and listen to what is in with within you the causes that we heard the speakers talk about, setting up companies, saving children, all began because one person decided to say no to some other things and dedicate their time to one important thing. One recent study we saw at the essay looked at people who had up to 5 million in assets, 5 million to 10 million in assets, and 10 million in over in assets. And one of the questions, what are you good at? The first group, the list was 20 long. The second group, there was five. But the group that on any monetary measure were more successful, on any impact measure were more successful, they said they were good at one thing. Searching for that one thing. Deciding to look out and find what is that one thing. Meeting people and figuring out how they've found their one thing can help you find what is that one thing. The Buddhists tell us, you can't really answer this question until you're 42. Warren Rustand, an American billionaire, I spent a week with him in Saudi Arabia. We were teaching entrepreneurs. And Warren Rustand told the group, there are three key moments in a human life. Number one, Realize why you are here. Number two, decide you will do something about it. Number three, start. And he says, in the normal human life, in the typical human life, the first moment, realize why you're here, 55 years old. The second moment, Decide you'll do something about it. 65. The third moment, start. Warren Rustan says, in the normal human life, moment number three, starting on what you've discovered is what you're here for. Decided 10 years ago, after the first heart attack. (laughs) Any acceleration you can do, before that to begin. Whether it's one hour a day, whether it's 20 seconds each morning, starting to build that habit now makes all the difference, brings you way ahead of the schedule. And I think when I teach on leadership, the real question I have for myself is not how I lead as an entrepreneur with my employees. It's not how I teach and lead in the school. And there's a poem that I love. No written word, no spoken plea, can teach the youth how they should be. Nor all the words on all the shelves, it's how the teachers are themselves. The question, what type of person are you being that your children's eyes shine? What type of person are you being that your employees' eyes shine? What type of person are you being that your friends' eyes shine? Because if you're being that type of person and you're seeing eyes shining back at you, you are having a massive, positive, lasting impact in this world. When I was 14 years old, Mr. Matz looked into me, looked into my eyes, looked into my heart, and he gave me 11 out of 10. What I want each and all of you to do, you're here because somebody believed in you. Somebody looked into you and said, you are 11 out of 10. You can do something, you are here for a reason, but there are people outside, nobody has ever told them you are enough, no one has ever done what Nick has done with Mirsha, of saying you are a genius, you may not know it, but I see it, Mr. Matz looked at me age 14 and I have never been the same again, because somebody else looked into me and said you are bigger than you've ever imagined you could be. My mission for you, for Romania, whatever the weather, whatever you find when you open the tent, whatever you find when you get home and someone says you're late, find someone and look them into the eyes and let them know that they are 11 out of 10. And if you do that, my time here has been worthwhile. It's been a real privilege for me to come from the far Western shores of Europe, to come to a place that, when I was a child, was mysterious. Names like Ceausescu and strange. So to be here on a stage with these wonderful musicians, getting to know wonderful friends, it gives me great hope for this world that we live in. But my mission for you, the homework you have, find the person, look them in the eyes, and give them 11 out of 10.